The friends and partners of Kevin Inman Ministries present Contenders Radio with Pastor Kevin Inman. Pastor Kevin is committed to equipping you to earnestly contend for the faith. For more information on Pastor Kevin and Contenders Radio, please visit our website at www.kevininman.org. That's www.kevininman.org. Hello and welcome to today's edition of Contenders Radio. I'm your host, Kevin Inman, and we are talking once again about the things that are true of us in Christ. That's right. In Christ, all of us have the marvelous riches of his grace poured out upon us. There's not a, a second blessing that we're waiting for. We've been blessed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and even thousands upon thousands of times by our Lord Jesus Christ. We who are called by Christ have Christ's Holy Spirit living within us. I'm reminded here as we start off of something we've looked at already on Contenders Radio, but that is from Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse, let's look at verse 9. It says, You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Every true Christian that's been born again, born from above, born from on high, born of the Spirit of God, every single Christian has the Spirit of God. We are not waiting on some other so-called blessing, be it second or third or whatever it wants to, uh, whatever title you want to to give it. We are blessed richly in Christ, and there are. Hundreds of things that the scriptures describe of or, or hundreds of things, hundreds of ways in which we have been blessed. And so we've been spending a number of, uh, uh, let's see, I think three episodes so far of Contenders Radio. This will make episode number four, wherein we look at the riches of the blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. And so we've compared who we were how we were, um, what we were destined for, all those things before Christ, and now we're looking again uh, after those things. We look at those things that are true of us now in Christ, and and these are these are facts that are true of Christians. And you don't have to be a a super Christian, some special tier, some special lever, secret, you know, gold member, platinum level member, whatever it might be. These things are true of all Christians. The the problem is we simply fail to recognize. We don't know. We don't study to show ourselves approved. And and oftentimes we walk through our Christian life defeated and and really blind to the reality of who we are now in Christ. In fact, uh, in Titus, I was I was reminded of Titus uh, this morning. Titus chapter 3. I was reading and in Titus chapter 3, oh, let's see verse uh, we'll start at verse 3. It says for we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice. <clears throat> excuse me, and envy, hateful, envying or rather hating one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. 
Folks, what a tremendous passage this is. It tells us who we were before Christ, foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved of various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hating one another and hateful. And then it says, but when the kindness of God, our Savior, there's another one of those but God verses right there. And so we want to pay attention to that but, that B-U-T in Scripture. We want to see what comes before it and what, what is before it is describing our sinful nature, that 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 nature that we are born into, born with, and and it enslaves us to these various lusts and pleasures. And, and, and then we see after the, but when the kindness of God appeared, our Savior and his love for mankind, it says he saved us. And then it tells us very plainly, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out richly upon us through Jesus Christ, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Friends, we say it here almost every single week, but it, it it's worth repeating over and over and over again. We are not saved by any merit of our own. We are saved by grace through faith and this not of works, not of ourselves, lest any man boast. It's a gift of God, for we were created in Christ Jesus for good works, not by good works, but for good works, works that he prepared beforehand that we would walk in, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. Friends, everyone who has truly been redeemed and born again, they have been saved by grace, being justified by the grace of God. So praise God for his grace. Praise God for his marvelous grace. As we sing, the marvelous grace of our loving Lord. It's 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 greater than all of our sins, able to defeat, to conquer, to wash us clean, clean from any sin that we have. And so I praise God for that. And so today, let's look now at a few other things that were true of us, because as we just said, his grace is enough to cleanse us of our sin. Well, we need to understand that before Christ, we are all sinful. Before Christ, every single one of us is born into sin. That's what Romans chapter 3 tells us. In fact, in Romans chapter 3, if you look at Romans chapter 3, verse 9, it says, what then? Are are they better uh, than are are we better than they? Not at all, for we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin, as it is written. Verse ten continues: There is none righteous, not even one. There's none who understands. Verse eleven: There's none who seeks for God. Verse twelve: All have turned aside together; they've become useless. There's no one who does good. There is not even one. It continues, it just gets worse, talking about how our throat is an open grave. With our tongue, we, we keep deceiving the poison of asp under our lips. Our mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Our feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in our paths, and the path of peace we have not known. Friends, before Christ, we were all bound to sin. We were under sin. We were sin-sick, as it says in Luke chapter 5. Sin sick. And in fact, in Luke chapter 5, Jesus answers and says, It is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You see, this isn't about our, our physical health or our physical sickness, as many would twist and make this to be uh, about, to be concerning, but this is about our spiritual condition. Jesus did not call, come to call the, the well, but the sick. 
And then the very next verse, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He's speaking of our sin sickness, and we're all steeped in sin at birth. Every single one of us steeped in sin at birth. There's none righteous, not a one, not a single one, save the the God-man, Jesus Christ. But every single human that's been born has been born under the curse of sin. And also before Christ, we were... We were uh, unprofitable. I was unprofitable. I, and, and you look again at that passage we, we read. It says, all have turned aside. Together we've become useless. There's none who does good, not even one. There was absolutely nothing good in us. Now, I know we might think about some of the worldly standards of goodness and say, well, didn't you mow that lady's yard? Didn't you carry groceries for that for that lady? Didn't you do this? Well, friends, that's that's not what the Bible's speaking of. There's we're completely unprofitable. There's nothing that merits real, true, lasting goodness about us. There's nothing in us. We're inherently steeped in sin. We're inherently evil at birth, separated from God because of our sin. Because of our sin, Romans three twelve makes that very very clear. In fact, um, if you if you read the 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 book of uh, Philemon, if you read in the New Testament, there towards the end of your Bible, uh, that's that uh, Jamaican um, um, book, right? Uh, Philemon. Okay, that was really corny. Sorry, but in Philemon. Um, Paul, as he's writing to to uh, his friend Philemon about uh, um, Philemon's slave Onesimus, Onesimus gets saved. He comes to the Lord under the ministry of Paul, and Paul writes back to Philemon to say, "Look, this guy who formerly was useless to you now is useful both to you and to me." Why was he now useful? Because he was in Christ. The Lord had saved him, had snatched him out of the darkness, had brought him into the light, brought him into the kingdom of the beloved Son, transferred him from the domain of darkness into that kingdom of the beloved Son, and and redeemed him, redeemed all of his qualities, all of his all of his um, all of his life had now being redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, and so he's now useful to Philemon as a brother in Christ. Paul encourages him, don't, you know, bring him, you know, take him back, allow him back, but do so as a brother, as a brother in Christ, a freedman, uh, uh, you know, worldly speaking, but a slave to Christ now. And that's all of us are slaves. I know we don't like that language, but but that's what we are. We're, we're doulos, the, the Bible says, a doulos, a, a bond slave to Jesus Christ. We're either slaves to sin or we're slaves to righteousness. But before Christ, none of us could be slaves of righteousness. None of us had any good within us. We were sinners. We were under sin. And and and, and again, Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we were all under sin. We were all sinners. We were all guilty before God, Romans 3.19. We know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that Every mouth may be closed and that all the world may become accountable to God. We were all under the law. And, and, and because of that, the Bible says in Romans 3.18 that there's no fear of God before our eyes, before Christ. We were living in, in, in rebellion to God, uh, under sin, unprofitable, without fear, guilty before God. We were sinners steeped in sin at birth, Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, God demonstrated his own love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And praise God for that. Even while we were sinners. When, and, and even um, if you look just before that in Romans 5, 6, it says, for while we were still helpless, when, when we were without strength, 
without strength at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And praise God for that. Amen? And that's that ungodly, that's us, Romans 5, 6. We are the ungodly before Christ. And, and in fact, if you back up to chapter 4, verse 5, chapter 4, verse 5, it says, But to one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited to him as righteousness. Friends, if, if you're a Christian today, you have been redeemed. You were ungodly, but now you are not. You were a sinner. You were guilty before God. There was no fear of God. You were unprofitable. You were under sin, a sinner before Christ, but God. And thank the Lord for that, right? Praise God for, for verses like Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died. Friends, it doesn't matter how good we may be by worldly standards, even how good we think we may be by those standards. When it comes to the holy perfection, the perfect standard of righteousness, absolute, pure, brilliant righteousness, that's who Jesus is. That's the traits he exhibits. He is perfectly pure, perfectly holy, perfectly righteous. And compared to him, we are nothing. Our hearts are dark, dark in need of redemption. And so... We're going to take a a quick break right now, commercial break, but we'll be back and we're going to talk not anymore about this depressing stuff of who we were, but we're going to look for the remainder of our time at who we are now in Christ Jesus and praise God for the change. So we'll be back right after this. Hey, just a reminder that you are listening to Contenders Radio with Pastor Kevin Inman. You can find us on the web at www.kevininman.org. That's www.kevininman.org. You can also find us at contendersradio.com. That's www.contendersradio.com. Be sure and check out the website. On the site, you will find some resources, some articles and whatnot, but you'll also be able to listen to any of the episodes that you have missed right there on the site, on the free audio player, or you can always download the broadcast to listen at your own convenience, even setting up your iPod or your MP3 player to automatically download each new episode as it comes out every single week. What a bargain, and as always, it's free, and free is a very good price. You're listening to Contenders Radio with Kevin Inman. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Hey, you caught me singing. That's a catchy little ditty there. Sorry. Now, let's look today at the things that are true of us now that we are in Christ. We've looked at a number of things that were true before Christ saved us. We were sinners. We were we we were sinners. What in the world was that? But we were we were in sin. We were bound to sin. We were also sinners. I was trying to combine both of those things. Um all of those things. We were unrighteous. There was no good in us. All those things we've looked at um not only today but in the weeks previous uh, to this episode as well. And I would encourage you to go back and listen to those uh, early in to March. I, I think around March 13th or 14th those started. But uh, um, and, and let me just remind you, we, we seek to do two new broadcasts um, a week, every Tuesday and every Thursday. Sometimes things get in the way of that. Uh, my primary job is um, husband, uh, then 
uh, father and then pastor, and I pastor uh, Grace Point at Eagle Heights Church in Orange, Texas. Wonderful group of people, very blessed to be able to pastor here. Um, this church started, Grace Point at Eagle Heights started in 2010 when two churches merged, Eagle Heights Church and Grace Point Fellowship. Uh, we started Grace Point Fellowship in 2008, so I guess technically now I've been pastoring uh, this this church Grace Point Eagle Heights since 2010, but the um, former Grace Point Fellowship, uh, half of this congregation, I guess, uh, oh, since 2008. So that's been 11 years now, and it's what a blessing it's been to be uh, here with these people for this long. It's 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 really awesome because you get to know not just that first generation of people, but you see their kids grow up and and they call you. You know, it's it's only, hey, Pastor Kevin, and they come, and I mean, some of the little kids want me to go see movies with them. It's just precious, little Zach, all right, and uh, and some of the others, but uh, he was just asking me to go see another superhero movie, and uh, we've tried to go see one before, and I got sick, and we didn't get to make it, but uh, we're going to see what we can do. Anyway, uh, so hey, shout out to Zach Turner out there, folks, so uh, uh, that's my little buddy. But I got a lot. It's just what a privilege it is to be able to minister here and to watch these kiddos grow up. Uh, we've got... Um, a variety of ages uh, from from senior adults all the way down to newborns. And man, there have been a lot of babies born lately. And it's so exciting. And, you know, we do something a little different. A lot of churches I know are doing, uh, you know, since since I've already chasing this rabbit, I'm going to continue on this this little trail here. But uh, we do something different. A lot of churches will do children's church. And so during the the main worship service, they'll call the children out, you know, under a certain age, and that varies, but uh, uh, they call them out and then they do something, you know, which they would say would be age appropriate for them on their level so that they can understand. Well, we don't do that. And it's not that we don't want kids to understand. What we believe is that kids do understand. And we we want them in our service. Now, we have a cry room, so to speak, it was the old room, uh, I guess the nursery that was used during church years and years and years ago, but we use that room now as a cry room so that if a child is upset, if they are unruly and it's bothering, you know, the the, the parent because honestly, folks here love to have the children in the room, but the, the mom or the dad, they're, you know, they're able to, to step back. They can just stay in the back of the congregation. They can move just across the hall into that into that cry room area. There's uh, audio and video feed in there for the service, but that's available. But that is absolutely not required. I love the sound of children during our worship service. The kiddos sing. It's awesome to watch their little faces light up and sing. Now, do they understand every word they're they're singing? Probably not. Probably not. Do they understand every word that I'm saying? Probably not. I mean, let's be real. I don't even understand all the words. <laughs> okay, anyway, yes, I do. I try to look them all up <laughs> before I use them. But anyway, uh, of course they don't understand every single thing, but they're learning. And one of the main things they're learning is how to worship together as a family. All ages coming together. We're singing the word together. We're reading the word together. We're praying the word together. We're lifting one another up. And then we're proclaiming and studying the word of God together. It's it's a tremendous time of worship. All ages together as a family. Do the little ones get restless sometimes? Occasionally. But here's what happens. After a few weeks of of bringing uh, children in to the service, and some, some people come and they just can't stand it. They they think there should be something for the kids during that time, and so they leave. They don't even give it a chance. But, but those who stay and give it a chance... It's amazing to see the transformation. The First of all, you know, the parents are always a little uh, gun shy when their kids start making noise. They get nervous and think everyone's upset. 
But people aren't upset here. Our our folks love to have children in the service. It is the way it's supposed to be. Jesus said, let the little children come and do not hinder them. I, I just imagine folks trying to push the kids out of the way as Jesus is pulling them to him. And that's that's kind of, uh, that's the mentality we have here. But I know I've I've gotten off topic here, but still, I just want to encourage you. And if you don't have a church home, I would invite you to join us at Grace Point at Eagle Heights Church in Orange, Texas. We meet Wednesday nights at 6 for a meal, 6.30 for Bible study. Right now we're going through the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation, not Revelations. All right, there's just one. It's the revelation that the Lord Jesus Christ gave to John. It's from it's from the Father through Jesus to John. John pins it down, and we are in chapter Oh, I think we're finishing up chapter 3. We're on the last of the seven churches. We'll finish that up this Wednesday night. Uh, this Wednesday night. Hey, which just happens to be my birthday tomorrow, April the 3rd. But anyway, um, let's get back here. So what is true of us now in Christ? Now that we are in Christ, we know what was true of us before Christ. But now that we are saved, now that we're in Christ, we have been we we are now we, well, we've been washed all right our, we know that our sins will never be remembered we've talked about those things in the past but now we also know that we get to walk with Christ in white according to revelation chapter 3 verses 4 and 5 this is one of the uh, letters to the churches that we've looked at already in the book of revelation this is the letter to the church at sardis jesus gave to john and and it says here in revelation chapter Three verses four and five. He says, "But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy." Doesn't mean they're they've attained some sort of uh, some state of sinless perfectionism. That's not at all what's in view here. No, uh, we know that we're all steeped in sin at birth until Christ redeems us, till Christ saves us, snatches us out of the kingdom of darkness, and transfers us into the kingdom of the beloved Son, according to Colossians. But we know that 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 there were some here in Sardis because Jesus says so. There were some who were not walking in sin; they were walking in repentance, and so these had not soiled their garments. Literally Literally, um, they were not. Um, uh, how can we say this on the air? They were they were not soiled, as in uh, dirtying a diaper, so to speak. All right. I hope that uh, is that about clear as mud for you. Okay. Well, that probably wasn't even a good phrase to use either. But anyway, okay. So it says there are some who have not soiled their garments, meaning they're not stained with sin. Um, but And it says that they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name out of the book of life. And I will confess his name before my Father and before his holy angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, we're not going to tackle all this right now. Let me just say, um, number one, Jesus saying, I will not erase his name out of the book of life. There's there's a double negative here for force. It means there's absolutely no way he is going to remove the name of a real Christian out of the book of life under no circumstances. And some people read that wrong and they say, well, if it says he won't do it, that means he could do it. No, you're not understanding the text. It has nothing to do with whether or not he can. What Jesus is saying is truly, truly, assuredly, assuredly, listen to me, listen to me. I'm telling you, I will not, no, not now, not ever, not in any way, erase your name out of the book of life. If your name's in the book of life, it's been there before the foundation of the world and it will remain there until this world has perished 
uh, in, in fire and the new heaven and the new earth came and even beyond into eternity. He says, I will not ever, not in any way, no, not now or ever, erase your name from the book of life and I will confess your name before my Father. If you want more information about that, just go to our church website, gpehchurch.com, gpeh, that stands for Grace Point Eagle Heights, gpeh.com and just go to our sermons tab, studies tab, whatever it's called. I think it's sermons tab and And uh, you can find those Wednesday night studies on the book of Revelation. That's the Church of Sardis, the letter to the Church of Sardis, Revelation chapter 3. Anyway, um, and it's it's Revelation chapter three verses one through six. That letter is that church is addressed. But but here he says that these people, these who have been cleansed, these who have come to Christ now, they will walk with Christ in white. They're they've been redeemed, and now they get to to wear the clothes, the robes of of the redeemed. And white is a symbol scripturally of purity. It's a symbol of the purity that is ours in Christ. Christ is mentioned as 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 being um, uh, walking in pure, brilliant whiteness, and his holy angels. It mentions a place or two about them, but also it mentions those who are redeemed, Christians, then getting to also be clothed in the white robes of redemption. And so that's what's in view here. We know that that is what is in view here, and so. So here we get to see that. In fact, uh, I was I was just looking uh, in white, the white garments of the redeemed. It speaks of holiness. It speaks of purity. And those robes are reserved for the glorified church. In fact, in, in Revelation chapter 19, verse 8 and verse 14, where it's mentioning the church again. And you'll 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 you might be surprised to know that the church is not mentioned after Revelation chapter uh, three. I guess you could say after Revelation 4, 1, chapter 4, verse 1, there's no more mention of the church until we get to Revelation chapter 19 and we see the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's describing something that's happening in glory, something that's happening in heaven while all hell is breaking loose on earth. It's mentioning the church not being in the tribulation, not being on earth during all of the catastrophic outpouring of the wrath of God. No, the church has been raptured. The church has been rescued, so to speak, snatched away, and we are now at the marriage supper of the Lamb, the marriage supper of the Lamb, something taking place during the tribulation, which includes the raptured church. And so in Revelation chapter 19, verse 8, it says, It was given to her, meaning to the church, the bride of Christ, it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean for the fine linen is the righteous acts of all the saints and then it goes on if you look over in verse 14 chapter 19 yeah chapter 19 verse 14 let me get there i'm having trouble turning there revelation chapter 19 i do some of this i have my bible in front of me just uh kind of let you in behind the scenes here while i'm turning um but I also use um my logos bible software and uh, for whatever reason the uh internet here is even worse than it has been before some of you are uh blessed with great internet service we are not blessed with great internet service here at our church and our church is where uh recording studio is set up and so uh, in revelation chapter 19 Revelation 19, verse 14, the Word of God says this, And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. See, this is talking about now the second coming. So early here in chapter 19, the church is with Jesus at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then we are leaving heaven with Jesus to return back, clothed in white linen. Linen, not lemon. <laughs> clothed in white lemons. No, 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 I've never seen a white lemon. But uh, clothed in white linen. 
in. And, and friends, that that is a picture of the redeemed, the church now, coming back at the second coming with Christ, with Christ. And so um, that's why this is one of the passages that helps us to understand the Bible teaches a premillennial, uh, pre-tribulational rapture of the church. But that's for another episode. Let's get back to looking at a couple other things that are true of us in Christ. We've really only talked about one today, the fact that we'll walk with Christ in white. But there's another. We have been healed by his stripes. In 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. 1 Peter, let me turn there. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. The word of God says this. He himself bore, meaning Jesus himself, bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. Now, what in the world is that talking about? By his wounds you were healed. I know a lot of people quote this, meaning that we have uh, physical healing guaranteed to us from whatever ailment we might have. And and if we just have enough faith, then uh, we will be healed. But my friends, let me just uh, burst that bubble for you. That is not at all what's in view here. What's in view has nothing to do with our physical bodies, our physical illness, our physical illness. He died on the cross to cleanse us of our sin sickness. And remember, we talked about that at the top of the show. We were sick with sin. We were sick with sin. It was a sin sickness. And so God has saved us. He He has died on the cross. In fact, he bore our sins. Again, verse 24, 1 Peter 2, 24. Jesus himself bore our sins, not our sicknesses, our sins, not our cancers, not our Lyme disease, not our sore throat, right? Not our headache, our sins. He bore them in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you are healed. Healed how? Healed spiritually. We were healed spiritually. That's what is in view. Look at uh, look at Isaiah, if you would, Isaiah chapter 53. This was our passage of scripture reading for church this morning. As we're preaching through the gospel of John, we've just, we've just studied the crucifixion of Jesus. And this past Sunday, we looked at the burial of Jesus. And so we use this for our scripture reading. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4. Isaiah written some 600, 700 years before Christ uh, was born into flesh, okay? And so, remember, he's eternally God, but he took on flesh um, some 2,000 years ago. But in Isaiah 53, verse 4, the Word of God says, Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for uh, our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. Uh, your version may say, by his wounds we are healed, but by his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall upon him. Do you understand what's in view? This has nothing to do with guaranteeing God will heal you of cancer or a sore throat or a stomach ache or, or pancreatitis, whatever it might be. This is speaking of the sickness of sin, the sickness of sin. He bore our griefs, our sorrows. We, uh, he was smitten of God and afflicted. He was pierced through for our transgressions. That's sin. 
He was crushed for our iniquities. That's sin. By his scourging, we are healed. Healed of what? The Lord, it goes on to tell us in verse 6, the Lord has caused the iniquity, that's sin, of us all to fall upon him. He took our sin to the cross and paid for them on the cross of Calvary. That is what God has done for us. And so now, in Christ, those of us who have been redeemed, those of us who are Christians, our sins will not be remembered. We've been washed. We get to walk in white with Christ, those pure, righteous um, linens that he bestows upon us. It's not our own works of righteousness, no. It's the, it's the blessed righteousness that Christ imputes into our account, and we've been healed by his stripes, healed of all of our sins, all of our trespasses. The Bible says in Colossians 2.13, when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. God has washed us clean. He's healed us of all of our sin sickness. First John 2.12, I'm writing to you little children, John says, because your sins have been forgiven for his name's sake. You see, that's what Jesus has done for us. And in Christ, those things are true. But friends, there are so many other things, but we are out of time. Next time, we're going to look once again at these things that are true of us in Christ. What's true of us now in Christ. So God bless you. Until next time. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast of Contenders Radio with Pastor Kevin Inman. For more information on this or other broadcasts, please log on to our website, contendersradio.com. That's contendersradio.com. You can also find us on the web at kevininman.org. That's kevininman.org. There you will find podcast episodes, blog posts, study helps, and more. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks again for listening. And may God bless you in your pursuit of the truth.